So let's look at this. Uh, China's defense minister is raging about uh, his problems right now because most of ASEAN doesn't like the CCP. They don't like the Chinese Communist Party. They don't like the Chinese government. They don't like the Chinese military. With the exception of Cambodia, Chinese defense ministry doesn't really have a lot of friends across Southeast Asia or India or much of the region. Sure, they're able to buy off part of Pakistan in exchange for some weapons deals at a discount. But even the Pakistanis admit they don't really trust China that much. So China's defense minister is now accusing the United States of hijacking support. <laughs> What support? He certainly has no support in Vietnam. He has very limited support in Singapore, if any. And in Indonesia, basically, no. They don't support communist China. Uh, especially after in the 1960s, China attempted to take over the country in a violent revolution that was only stopped by the Indonesians taking things into a different level. Perhaps the only place that China has uh, some level of uh, interaction is probably uh, Myanmar. But even there, they've managed to engage in border conflicts with a country that essentially at one time was very close to them. And they've done the same thing with the Laotians as well. So Kampuchea, or Laos, as it, uh, whichever it's called right now, uh, has its own little problems there. Uh, and, and Laos, uh, the Laotian government, is basically not exactly too thrilled with China over some trade deals uh, that have really gone sour for them. Vietnam has actually fought an open conflict with China invading and getting its butt kicked in 1988. And uh, China lost about 100,000 troops in Vietnam. Some, they say, didn't really die. They just defected and ran away. They didn't want to be part of the Chinese military anymore. Uh, Russia trusts them to a certain point, but they don't really get along. And certainly China has no love lost for Japan, vice versa. That's just how it works. Korea? North Korea? Well, maybe. Uh, but even North Korea has its limits as it's look at China is one of more how to just not be on their radar when they decide to snap up that country as well. You see, the defense minister doesn't seem to quite understand that in order to be liked, you have to do likable things, like not trying to steal other people's territory. And that is exactly what China's defense minister has to realize. You see, usually guys like Wee Fang show up at these events and they're dressed as defense ministry people. Not when they show up at the uh, Singapore Shangri-La Hotel in full military honor with a bunch of fake medals that they've never earned anything in combat for. I mean, you look at Wee Fang He you know, at this session at the 19th International Institute of Strategic Studies in Singapore at the Shangri-La Hotel, 
and the so-called Shangri-La Dialogue. This is a, an annual Asia event and security forum. Usually it was initially meant to combat counterterrorism, but essentially China took advantage of this situation. Now, of course, America's uh, defense secretary isn't exactly the tough guy we used to have. Uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin basically bends over backwards to try and please everybody, and you know what that is. So that is his problem. He used to be a really effective leader at one time of troops, but then fell into the military-industrial complex and fell hard. Since then, he's become basically a Democrat stooge, doing whatever the Democrats want, appointing so many communists into the Pentagon that it seems to be almost a branch of the CCP. They're saying the Pentagon leaks more these days than it ever has. And in fact, that some of the, if you thought uh, Diane Feinstein having a driver from the China State Security Bureau was something, you should take a look at some of the offices of say some of the undersecretaries working inside the Pentagon Perhaps at the Air Force, perhaps someone from Texas, perhaps someone who failed to win as a congressperson in San Antonio. Yeah, maybe you ought to look at that office and see how someone who openly supported the CPPNPA in the Philippines, a Maoist terrorist organization, as declared, was somehow appointed to be undersecretary of the Air Force. Does that say something to you? Well, that's something to look at. But China is basically doing questions, and we has come the closest so far to acknowledge it indeed has been developing things like hypersonic weapons designed to destroy aircraft carriers, something they call the Guam 2 missile, which has the range of hitting the U.S. territory of Guam, and even though that uh, Anthony Blinken has been doing everything he can in his best impression of a poodle licking anything that he can get his hands on uh, or comes near his mouth, the uh, Chinese government is basically, basically not doing anything but saying that the U.S. is meddling in the affairs of their region without realizing that we, hey, is failing to understand that the United States is also part of the region. You see, we, he doesn't understand that Micronesia, the CNMI, or the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, Guam, is the boundary of the United States. That is America and Asia. And it is not just stopping there. There are American companies and corporations all throughout the region. There was a time when China as a country did not exist, and it was only protected, in fact, the little warlord fiefdoms that existed by the United States. But that was, of course, before the Communist Party of China ran things there. And they have not run things well. I'm Mike of New York. Let's listen to more about how China is not doing things well, even for Chinese, with the situation that is ongoing in China's city of Singapore. Epoch Times has some good reporting on their TV show, China in Focus.
Let's listen to what they have to say in this report. So the USCC recently put out a report on how kind of China has infiltrated the U.S. agriculture and also stolen a lot of seeds. So to begin, how significant is this report? Uh, It's an enormous issue. It does have a very serious financial, economic, and national security impact uh, on American citizens and on the country. And, you know, it's good that to see a a body like the USCC really taking this on and highlighting this as an issue that is is an enormous step forward in awareness for, for Congress and for the public. And Ross, one area seems to be the issue of genetically modified food. So on one hand, it helps prevent pests taking over and such, but it also seems to open up vulnerabilities. So going forward, how would that balance play out? Yeah, so the issue of genetically modified organisms, um, the the interesting thing about it is, is you're talking essentially about little biological computers. And with the way seed technology works is, is you have the parent strains, the male and female strains, the female strain is the more important one, the, what they call a mother strain. And so if you can get a hold of the, the original uh, seed itself, the genetic code is in that germplasm of that seed. And you're able to break that down and begin to, to essentially reverse engineer uh, the technological processes that have been done to modify the DNA of that seed. And when you modify the DNA of that seed, they're doing it for very specific things. Uh, they're, you know, like you said, they're they're treating it for resistance to corn borer or resistance to rootworm or resistance to glyphosate or what you know Roundup was its brand name before it became generic, and that allows farmers to be able to uh, cultivate using a mix of. Uh, seeding rate, mix of chemicals and mix of fertilizers and and pesticides and all these other things to help control uh, as much as they can the variability that comes from pest, uh, from from lack of rain or too much rain, lack of fertility, uh, and be able to produce a crop reliably on a year in and year out basis. And Ross, how widespread is this? Who's behind these seeds? And on the flip side, what is China trying to get out of it by stealing them? Well, in the U.S., we only have a few. Um, you know, globally, it's called the Big Six, and the Big Six is really about the Big Four because a couple are Big Three, even because a couple of these companies have merged, like Bayer and Monsanto, Dow and Dupont have merged their agriculture and, and chemical operations. So all the R and D, of course, has merged with it. Uh, China does now uh, own Syngenta, which was a Swiss company, has a very large U.S. footprint uh, out in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. Uh, but we're really down to three or four of these big companies. Those big companies are the ones that do the billion-dollar genetic research uh, and really devise and, and develop the ability. But then what they do is they sell uh, they sell that germplasm, they sell their seed strains to other companies that license that technology from them. They license the seed genetics and they mix it up with their own to produce maybe their own proprietary hybrids uh, of, say, corn. Uh, but still, the, the, the mother strain of that female strain that, that possesses all of the traits uh, of that particular plant or that particular technology that's been modified into that plant, um, then you would need to get access to a seed plot or something that's run by one of those companies. So uh, a very, very small uh, group of companies at the top that control a, a great deal of the food production of this country from a grains and oilseed side. The USCC report notes that in 2020, the U.S. exported $1.62 billion worth of seeds. 
And so what would be the consequences of China's theft? So China has a very, I think as most people who really follow the country and the geopolitics around China know, it's, it has a very peculiar relationship with food security. Uh, it is an enormous emphasis in that country. It always has been. Uh, I don't think anybody forgets the famines, uh, you know, of, of the early, you know, in the mid and, and mid to late part of the 20th century. And so in that country, possessing the means to increase their own domestic food security is job number one. Uh, and, and lying, stealing, bartering, whatever it takes to get that technology, uh, China has proven willing to do. But it also enables them as they, even as they develop that technology for their domestic market, it allows them to go to other places like Africa, for example, where the, the access to and the means uh, of growing more reliable, more robust, uh, more modern type crops and utilizing more modern cropping methods would go a long ways towards helping lift Africa out of poverty in a lot of places where they've got great farmland, very, very hardworking people, but they don't have access to a lot of the modern technology because fundamentally they don't have access to a lot of the seed technology. So for China to steal it from the U.S., develop indigenous versions of their own, and then export some of that to Africa uh, in the same way they would export construction technology for Belt and Road, you could also do Belt and Road with uh, food and with energy. And it's a massive diplomatic lever in a lot of places where China could come in and say, hey, we can give the farm equipment, the methods, the machinery, and this very expensive intellectual property. We can provide this all to you to lift yourselves up out of uh, food issues or food poverty, uh, but we want access to these critical minerals or we want to build a military base on your shoreline or whatever it may be. Uh, it's a very powerful lever, and it's a more powerful lever in you know, version of the way the U.S. says, hey, we'll, we'll give you some bags of wheat or some bags of rice to help feed yourselves. This is China saying, we're not going to give you a fish. We're going to teach you to fish, but we want something very valuable in return. And so that is one way in which internationally theft of American agriculture intellectual property has a direct line to undermining American diplomatic and national security efforts worldwide. And Ross, given all these different parameters, say national security and even now the diplomacy risks, what can the U.S. do to really prevent China's theft? Step number one is to get a lot, uh, a lot more granular and a lot more accurate with the record keeping around land ownership in the U.S., uh, there's a lot of reports out there, particularly over the last three or four years, where the, the only mechanism we really have in the U.S. at the federal level to track uh, foreign ownership of agricultural land is AFIDA, A-F-I-D-A. It's a law that was passed in the 70s. And you fill out a form. It's a two- or three-page form called an FSA-153. And it's a disclosure of – but it's – not really a, a legally protected disclosure where if you lie on it, you get in trouble. Uh, you can say whatever you want uh, and say, hey, we purchased this amount of land for this value. Uh, and, and here's the, the specific acres uh, by geographic coordinates. But not only can you obfuscate or just refuse to file it, which there's really not a penalty for, you can, you're also now seeing very uh, opaque networks of uh, entities involved that don't have the same disclosure. So if I'm a Chinese uh, entity that wants to own a thousand acres in, in Illinois, it would be very easy for me to set up a company that's domiciled in Hong Kong, have that company in Hong Kong be connected at arm's length in some way to uh, an entity in the British Virgin Islands uh, or, or you know maybe the Bahamas. And then that entity goes and takes 
uh, a, you know, a position in a joint venture in the U.S. with another institution, and then that joint venture sets up another entity, and then that goes and buys the land. And so you have this vast web of very complex uh, entities and transactions involved here that are not accurate at the federal level. Uh, and, and require an unbelievable amount of due diligence just to dig into a single land deal, you know, somewhere in Wyoming or somewhere in Iowa or somewhere in North Dakota to be able to figure out what the real genuine ultimate beneficiary or beneficial interest and what that country of origin is. So step one, make that process a lot more, A, mandatory, B, hook some teeth to it. Uh, to where if you lie or you refuse to disclose, you're punished for it. Uh, and C, certainly make it publicly available uh, as open source data, who owns what acre at the acre level everywhere in the U.S. Number two would be to, in my view, uh, connect sanctions-related activity to land ownership. I'm not a huge advocate for uh, foreign entities being able to own U.S. land at scale. If they want to own 50 acres or 100 acres to put a plant, that's fine. Uh, but what, when we're talking about some countries have hundreds of thousands or millions of acres uh, of property under foreign national control in the U.S., I don't think this is something we should do. We definitely need to take a, a complete holistic review uh, across the whole of government of what is the current status of foreign land ownership in the U.S., but also what is that land being used for? Who is the ultimate beneficiary of it? And what deals do we need to unwind immediately bring under CFIUS review, immediately bring under the review of the various agencies that have jurisdiction and understand and, and really, um, I think, begin to mitigate the potential economic and national security risks associated with uh, opaque record keeping and foreign ownership of our land in the U.S. This is an enormous problem. It's not one that's going away, and it's certainly one that the U.S. government has resources available to do more with, and they should be doing more with it. Ross, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Tiffany. That was Ross Kennedy, founder of Fortis Analysis. Hey, so I'm going to put a uh, link to the show notes there. That was Tiffany Myers of uh, Epoch TV's uh, NDT. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of sad with what they're doing on YouTube and some of the other platforms to uh, NDT uh, and how they're demonetizing them. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're just basically shutting them down so that they can only put short versions of their episodes on there. And since I do get about 50% uh, of my listeners are in Hong Kong, uh, and and uh, other parts of uh, Southeast Asia and Asia, uh, totaling about uh, oh I'd say twenty five percent, maybe thirty percent of my New York listeners are 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 in that part of the world. Uh, we're putting this on uh, here, and of course uh, it is NDT is the uh, is, is the group, um, and uh, it's China in focus. You can catch them on YouTube. They're very active. They do say a lot. They do do a lot for uh, for what's going on. Uh, the report she's talking about is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce report on what is happening uh, with, uh, with China really doing so much to take over American agriculture at a time when America is going through a food crisis in many situations. Uh, the world is also doing the same. And a lot of this is being done for reasons we can't really fathom at this time. And you know what? It's something that needs to be looked at, focused on, and thought about as to what exactly happens with a foreign government takes control of American farmlands. I'm Mike of New York. 
uh, Mike Cohen. You can catch me here on uh, this channel. You can also catch me on Twitter, Facebook, Getter, Truth Social, Parlor. Uh, goodness, what else am I on? Uh, so many things. And of course, you can catch this podcast wherever podcasts are found. If you do like our podcast and uh, like us a lot, hey, you know, send us some money. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just joking about that. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> Please. No, you don't have to do anything. Um, uh, and, and, and sponsor it. I'm very happy to do this. As long as God gives me an ability to still keep doing this, I'll keep doing it as much as I can. God bless you. God bless America. God bless the world and everybody in it. Even the heathens and the uh, people who uh, we would consider uh, atheistic and who don't believe in him really need him and they really need God and they just don't know it. God loves you and so do I. I'm Mike Cohen. Have a great day.